Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Well, it's going to be a wild and woolly one today, I think, Kirby. Uh, my lack of show prep has reached an all-time high. How about you? <laughs> I was ready a few days ago. I might have forgotten all the stuff I, <laughs> I prepared, though. As Kirby, as you know, we are the podcast dedicated to all things IndyCar. So uh, let's just jump right into it, shall we? <coughs> lead on, lead the way. Have you noticed that the uh, drivers of Formula One are now starting to turn a little bit on Drive to Survive, saying uh, like the whole thing's basically fabricated and not a reflection of reality? Uh, I've seen that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think Verstappen refused to participate last season. Came to the conclusion that they were not representing the drivers honestly or, or correctly, however you want to say it, and just declined to participate. And, well, uh, look, it's a long-standing joke, uh, you know, that the, the furthest thing from reality is a reality series, right? And course. and I think, you know, there's no reason to hold Drive to Survive to a different standard on that. Having said that, I watched the first episode last night. I, I got to say, it's either getting long in the tooth or the, the words of some of the drivers are resonating with me to where you're kind of calling BS on some of this stuff. Right. Um, I don't I, and I can't I haven't done enough soul searching curve. Pardon me if I haven't. I apologize. I probably should have searched the soul more thoroughly. But whatever it is, I was just completely nonplussed by the first episode. You know, when you have a, a highly successful show like that, don't you have to keep trying to top yourself and top yourself and. The only way to do that is to become more ridiculous and more ridiculous. Yeah, that might be part of it. And like I said, the, the, the long and the tooth thing rings with me a little bit, too. It's like, OK, we're getting ready for another season. And it's war. You know, that was kind of the general theme of the first episode. Yeah, it's just like, OK, well, I think I've seen this this show before. It may be very difficult to kind of keep that thing fresh, even though the storylines are changing and so forth. Keep in mind, you're going to a casual observer of the sport, right? Not not somebody's diehard. So, like, even though there were really interesting things that happened in F1 last year, I don't know how much of that's going to resonate uh, with your Austin uh, housewife, so to speak. I guess the good news for last Formula One season, which is this season of Try to Survive, right, is they had a compelling championship. And so uh, they may not have to make up that much uh, as the season goes on. Uh, to make it an exciting show. Although you already know who wins, so I guess maybe that takes some of the drama out of it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's all of that. I'll have to ask my, I watched it with my wife, and I'll have to ask her kind of what her feelings were. I, to me, it was a real snoozer. And I, I, maybe, you know, they're just setting the season up and so forth. Or maybe it's because I'm looking at it through the lens of I know what happens at the end. Whatever reason, it didn't strike a chord with me. And as you know, that's kind of a first. <laughs> I haven't watched it since I. Watched a few episodes in season one and gave up on it. But, um, you know, even, even then, the stuff that, you know, was very obvious to people that are already fans, you know, hey, this is high speed and hey, this is uh, dangerous and hey, this is uh, glamorous and te- high tech and blah, blah, blah. You can't uh, say that season after season, right? I mean, that's kind of that's been used and, and put to bed, I would think. Yeah, it does. Uh, bringing this back to IndyCar, which we always promise to do. <laughs> I mean, it. It does, like, by the time they finally get uh, Drive to Survive for Less out, you wonder if, like, anybody's going to have interest at that point. You know, like, it'll just be so been there, done that, 
that it will be just too late. Well, there seems to be an insatiable appetite for a reality TV series. So if an IndyCar reality series can't find its place in the, in the culture, then we're really in trouble. Well, that's true. I, look, I watch that show Wipeout every once in a while, and I never – it never stops making me laugh seeing somebody fall off one of those red balls. Well, that's true. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I'm laughing about it now. I can't good, stop laughing at watching old, that. I've probably seen it a thousand times. Good old physical comedy, right? When uh, <laughs> yeah. when, the, when the guy in the wheelchair throws the wrenches at the kid uh, in dodgeball, I never I can never stop laughing. So right. It's, yeah, there's just certain things. So maybe maybe this is it. Maybe uh, Drive to Survive is uh, the uh, metaphorical equipment of throwing wrenches at people. <laughs> dodge a wrench, dodge a ball. Uh, if you're if you're dying for some IndyCar uh, reality TV, then go to Carvana.com, I think, or something like that, and you can catch up on uh, Jimmy Johnson's season-long reality TV series. All right, Curb, you brought up Jimmy Johnson. Um, let's stray into uh, the the most recent race in Texas. Came in six. Even people like uh, Simon Paginot were uh, saying they were learning things from him on his oval craft, if you will. I think it's it kind of verifies what we thought would happen. It's like he'll be decent on the ovals, uh, but I still think he has to get his road course, street course thing together uh, to kind of make a full package uh, to warrant continuing on in the series full time after this year. I'm sure he is and will make progress this year in road street courses. I don't know how much that'll show itself in results. He's holding his own and he's paying his way than, uh, or having his way paid anyway, then I don't think he's on any kind of hot seat to make it or, or not make it this year. Well, I don't think he's, I don't think he's on a hot seat per se. I mean, obviously he's going to, you know, if his sponsors say we're done, then he's done. Right. Um, I want to see him look better on the road and street courses. You know, I mean, if he's still bringing up the back of the pack every time, every race there, then I'm not so sure I want to see him in. Uh, full time. I think he's a plus to the series, and um, if he if he finishes 20th in the series and uh, is not causing problems with anybody, then I'd be happy to have him back. Okay. Well, I mean, I agree. He's a great ambassador to the sport and to the series. I mean, there's no question about that. I, I wouldn't argue that. And he seems like a really good guy, actually. Sure. Curb, um, I know you got a plethora of things you want to get to, and I'm going to allow you to do that because I've got very <laughs> little to talk about. You might overstate it, but go ahead. Uh, but at any case, uh, I, a couple of points that I do want to get to, if you don't mind. The curious case of Alexander Rossi, who's currently behind J.R. Hildebrandt in points at the moment. He's behind a lot of people. 27th. Let's see. He, let's put it, it's, it might be easier to say that he's ahead of Devlin DeFrancesco and Tatiana Calderon. Well, um, you, got, you, got, you got Harvey, Hildebrandt, Carpenter, Ferrucci. Those four guys have run one race. <laughs> Do you think Rossi like goes on the IndyCar website and just like pay, pay pages down to his photo there and just gets angry? Just, just, wants, to, just wants to kill somebody. <laughs> I think it's hard to have a conversation about Rossi without having a conversation about the Andretti Autosport in general. No, um, that, that, that's where I was starting to go. Like, they've been having a lot of bad luck for a lot of years now. At what point does it become an organizational problem? Correct. In, in, that, in that race on Sunday, last Sunday at Texas, Rossi goes out with a mechanical when uh, 11 laps or less. Grosjean goes out with a mechanical well before halfway. Francesco takes out a third of the field and himself 
by uh, less than halfway. And um, so that's not necessarily a team thing, but um, Herta is having a pretty good race and has a bad pit stop where they can't, you know, get the gun engaged or unengaged or something like that on the left rear. You couldn't ask for a worse day for a team with four, you know, seemingly solid drivers or three and a half seemingly solid drivers uh, with expectations to win or be on the podium. It's just and happening over and over. Regularity. I, sometimes you just need to change things because you just need to change things. You know, I, I look at it and I think, well, unless you're going to, you know, you, you're going to dump Rob Edwards or something. I mean, he's like the guy that runs the day to day, right? Um, yeah. I mean, unless you're going to make a change like that, the only thing I can think of is, hey, this is the end. This year's the end of our technical alliance with uh, Michael Shank Racing. We need to focus on our own shop. I don't know if they're spreading themselves, sim- spreading themselves too thin or what the problem is. Uh, getting back to Rossi for a second, it's like you got to think there's no way he's going to re-sign with Andretti um, <clears throat> unless things change really dramatically quickly. Until I look around and wonder where he might go. You beat me to the punch. Okay. Yeah, then who picks him up? If you're an owner, just for, just uh, you're a generic owner, and you're like looking for somebody to drive your car, would you take – Alexander Rossi over Kyle Kirkwood, for example. You'd have to think long and hard about that one, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, there's always like, well, what's your situation? Do you need experience? Do you need, you know, raw speed? What do you need? I mean, I, I know there's all these considerations, but. I look at it from the standpoint of, and so if you're Penske and you just, would you take Rossi or Kirkwood? Historically, he would make somebody like Kirkwood prove himself further. But whoever signs up Kirkwood next year, going to get him and. Potentially keep him as you know forever. For okay, I'll give you another scenario. Meyer okay. Shank Racing. Elio hangs up the boots. You're sitting there. You're like, okay, I've, I've just done the the old man show last year. Okay, right, right. With whatever the results were, who am I going to pick up? Are you going to pick up an Alexander Rossi? Maybe. Well, if you're Rossi, that's kind of been the Andretti B team for the whole time you've been. <laughs> For the last three years, so does that really feel like a change? Another great point, and another and a and a, and a uh, team that's uh, made a few questionable strategic calls over the years as well. Almost certainly gone from Andretti, whether they say please leave or he says I gotta leave. But then where he ends up becomes uh, kind of fascinating. He's historically pretty tied in with Honda. Uh, that doesn't mean he can't switch camps, but uh, he he seems to like the Honda Association. He did the uh, Baja thing with Honda and um, it's done some other things through Honda, his relationship with Honda. I, I really got the impression, but I've kind of gotten the impression he didn't enjoy the Penske experience for the time he drove in their sports car program. Might have been a little too stuffy for him or something like that. You know, I mean, I think he was he was uh, talking big talk uh, before the season about this is a contract year. He needs to hit it from the start and, and put himself in a position to get the best contract he can get. So if he struggles the rest of the year, like he has last year or two, maybe you go to coin for a one-off kind of a prove it year and, and uh, take a, a modest contract. I hope you can resurrect yourself. Right. I guess Grosjean did it, but Grosjean was kind of a, a unique situation. Unless, you know, unless Frosty really does something, I don't see either Penske or Ganassi like, you know, Jumping through too many hopes to get Rossi. No, no. I mean, that's why I lean Kirkwood in the in that question, right? Rossi yeah. Kirkwood. I almost lean Kirkwood right now. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure Rossi's got ability, but he's even when he has a good car, he's getting beaten pretty soundly by his teammate. Um, I, I think that's the most damning fact of them all, right? I think sure. that's 
the impression of him is he's going to be, yeah, still a really good driver, but maybe not quite as good as, you know, Colton Hurd is now. You know, if you're if you're looking to pay somebody to drive for you, you're kind of looking for the guy that can beat everybody. However, Kerb, if he wins two or three races this year, maybe an Indy 500 or something, it, you know, all bets are off. He'd probably go back to Andretti. I bet he'd survey the field first, but yeah, he might end up back there. Yeah, uh, but, but you know I mean, what I'm if, saying. If, if, if that happened, then a lot of people want him, right? There's still plenty of time to prove himself. It's, the season's not over. He probably at this point needs to win races instead of being, you know, a Marcus Erickson, if you will. Um, right now, he'd be thrilled to be Marcus Erickson, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, seconds, seconds, thirds, fourth, and fifths are nice, but they probably won't do it for him. But, you know, a couple of couple of victories uh, probably make a world of difference. For him and, and everybody's perception of him, sure. Correct. I'll throw a wild card out here for you. Yeah. Have you noticed uh, over the offseason interviews um, and uh, Graham Rahal starting to talk about, you know, transitioning more to ownership and driving part-time. Could you see him stepping aside from full-time racing to put in a Kirkwood or a Rossi next year? I don't think he's going to retire next year, Kerm. So, no. I'm going to say no. All right. How about if he just gives the boot to Harvey and puts one that, in there? That, that's, that's more along the lines of feasibility in my mind. But, I, you know, Graham's still driving. I mean, he needs to qualify. We, we talk about this almost every podcast, so we got to stop. Right. Uh, he's driving great. Yeah. Driving no, yeah. race is great. No, sure. Kerb, uh, are you a member of the Prue Day? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I'm not. They're 100 strong now. 100 strong. 100? Um, yeah. That's all? Yeah. For, all the, oh. for all the hype, that's all there is? But nobody's nobody's tracking it or anything. Oh, okay. Nobody, nobody's paying any attention to it. <clears throat> They're staying above it and letting it unfold naturally. Being mentioned every <laughs> other sentence. <laughs> Curb, um, yeah, and, and, and I apologize, Kurt. We're short on time today, so I'm going to push you. I'm going to prod you a little bit like a cattle today, if you don't mind. Prod um, away. We're, you and I have had some banter uh, post-Texas about uh, the Texas Motor Speedway, SMI, potential reconfigurations, uh, the Penske SMI relationship, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of different angles on this. Kurt, I give you the floor. Your view of the current state of affairs and where we're going. You know, obviously a surprisingly successful or surprisingly entertaining race uh, last week. And and horribly unsuccessful financially. The uh, anecdotal evidence is that uh, race promoters didn't expect a crowd no matter what they did. So they kept their marketing dollars in their pocket to minimize their, their losses. <laughs> um, so I'm going to predict that uh, Penske rents the track, promotes it himself. Um and tries to make a stand in Fort Worth or in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, I think he likes being able to have a, a you know a race in the southern part of the country this time of year, weather-wise. I think he likes having a high-speed oval before the 500 to uh, allow people, particularly rookies, uh, to get some exper- high-speed oval experience before the 500. We're talking about you, Devlin D. Francesco. Right. And, and by the way, do you think it get paint that car any brighter to make give people a warning that he's, he's <laughs> nearby nascar has had a long-standing you know significant presence and fan base in texas formula one all of a sudden is uh taking over austin and, and i think that indycar needs to fight for their own fan base and uh 
if you can't go into Dallas, Fort Worth, which I think has over seven and a half million people, not to mention whoever lives, you know, within an hour or two's drive of there and get 25 or 30,000 people to come to the track, then then uh, I just think you aren't trying. Look at the efforts they're making to make Iowa successful. That's a, a Penske lease the track and promote it themselves deal. They've obviously um, connected with some strong sponsors that want to make uh, help them make it a success. I think Penske's going to take this on as a personal challenge to uh, keep this race going and make it successful. Well, it is a challenge because, I mean, I got angry about it, just how we were cheated as fans with that PJ1 treatment down the last couple of years and, and how the racing was just so horrible. And it was a horrible misrepresentation of IndyCar racing in general, and it was a horrible ripoff to anybody who attended, in my opinion. And they did right. that for a couple of years. And, and I think, you know, the, the crowd that showed up the other day, you know, uh, showed that. Like, you, you can only fool some people so many times before they're like, I don't need to go to that. That was terrible. They made some changes, right? And it appears that some of these have worked, okay, or a combination of those have worked, right? So I think maybe they found the formula to have decent racing there because it was, certainly was a decent race. But it is going to be a, a challenge because now you got to make up for all those sins. And I think that takes years. One of the things, you know, they say, hey, so-and-so drove through a traffic jam to get here, found out it was, you know, people getting in and out of church, right? I mean, one of the reasons they're blaming a poor crowd is uh, the race started so early that people were still in church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You know, I don't know how legitimate that is as an excuse. Uh, you know, it may be that if you want to make a successful on-track product and on-track attendance crowd, you have to surrender your desire for an NBC broadcast slot and say, I'm going to settle for a USA slot or I'm going to settle for a, a streaming slot because... Uh, they may not go hand in hand. Yeah. This race, this race got placed here because NBC said, "Hey, we have an open slot on March whatever at 12:30. Would you like to be on network TV?" They said, "Sure." That's how the race was placed where it was. I think everybody agrees those cars look much cooler. That race looks much cooler under lights, much more um, interesting. Um, you know, uh, uh, whatever the word is. Uh, well put. You know, and, if you, and if you want to have a, <laughs> I'm sorry. I said well put, whatever you know, that word is. <laughs> just a, the overall ambiance, the, the overall ambiance, the overall experience is it's much neater at night. I mean, let's yeah. face it. But yeah. the other thing is, but if you want to do what they're doing at, at uh, Iowa and say, hey, we're going to have uh, Blake Shelton come and and uh, put on a concert after the race, you know, you're going to do that at two in the afternoon, or you're going to want to do that. You know, at like four or five in the afternoon, going into the evening kind of thing. Well, let's end it like this. It sounds like all the right people are talking about the right issues. We'll see where it ends up. But at least you're hearing some talk of, you know, at least, you know, knowing what needs to be fixed. Watch this space, I guess. There, there is some reason for optimism, whereas, you know, probably a couple of years ago under different management, there would have been none. Yeah. And um, I will throw out that I, I watched the practice on Peacock the day before the race and According to James Hinchcliffe, they don't use the PJ1 anymore. The NASCAR's switched to a resin product. Doesn't seem to have nearly the side effects uh, that PJ1 has. Um, if that's true, then um, the leftover effects of PJ1 will dissipate as years go on. It's like uh, what they call the lingering effects of Agent Orange. <laughs> right. Kurt, um, we've got very, very limited time. I uh, counsel you to look at your watch um, and choose your next words carefully. 
What do you want to talk about? What are the chances that Zach Brown gets told by his bosses uh, over in Europe that, hey, forget this IndyCar crap, get our Formula One team straightened out? I haven't watched the the, the actual race yet. Um, I've got it on my DVR. I will be watching it a bit later. Um, a slightly better performance out of the McLaren car uh, this this uh, this round in Saudi Arabia in terms of qualifying and so forth and overall performance, with exception of uh, your buddy Danny Rex, yeah, is looking, in my opinion, very unlikely to return next year. <laughs> The car did seem to make kind of a, a large game between uh, the first round and the second round. If they stayed where they were at after the first round for the bounce of the season, yeah, that would be of cause for concern, I think. Uh, I think that would be a legitimate concern. You better watch uh, his backside and not uh, split his uh, attention too much. Yeah, if you're an IndyCar fan, you are rooting for McLaren every weekend in Formula One. Yeah, yeah, root for Lando Norris. Root for Lando Norris, who's also a fan of IndyCar. So there's two reasons to root for Lando. So Next three topic. minutes, to get, three minutes yep. to go here. Yep. Don't count out David Malukas for Rookie of the Year. Curb, uh, you know, sticking up for his early season prediction and watch this space. Strong finish at Texas. He's five points out of the lead for Rookie of the Year. Noted. I, you should never judge an IndyCar driver or what his year's performance is going to be based on an oval performance. There's always seem to be a lot of <laughs> outlier performances in that. Well, well, they can have a strong 500 and get the double points, and maybe he can hang on. True. That's that's a different scenario. Okay. Next. Let's see. What do we call it? Uh, Twitter. At Hero, H-I-R-O, IndyCar. At Hero, IndyCar. And sponsors. South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. Mention this podcast to the owner, Saul, and you will get a generous discount. Apologies for the late uh, show this week following the Texas Motor Speedway round. And since um, Long Beach is uh, a little more than a week away, is that how we describe it? Yeah, I think what we'll do, Curb, if uh, I guess I am the producer of the show so I can make these decisions. Right. Uh, is that we'll do a, a pre-Long Beach show. It'll be short and sweet, but just yeah. and we'll focus on all matters Long Beach. But uh, Long Beach, unless there's a, little... a really exciting finish to the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix that I'm not aware of. Well, uh, Long Beach is a little more than a week away. That's how we describe two weeks these days, isn't it? That's true. Did you see uh, Hamilton's uh, qualifying in Saudi Arabia, by the way? No, I mean like, I, I know he like works. 16th. Yeah. Toto says it was an experiment gone wrong. Right, have, you, have, you, have, you, have you seen that they have two-hour pre-race shows? It's, the, the, interest in Formula, the interest in Formula One is just off the charts right now, and it's all drive to survive. It's 100% drive to survive. I know, and, but I turn, uh, I, I turn it on on a Sunday morning, and they say, well, oh, the racing is going to start in an hour and 43 minutes. No, I know. It's, 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 it's amazing. All right, Curb. I got to go. You got to go. We all got to go. And we want to thank all of our listeners as we fail to do every week for your patronage. Have a good one, everybody. Kirk, does patronage in, uh, imply that we get money out of this? Uh, it, it might in a different time, in a different place, but I don't think these days. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Everything's free. All right. Good night, everybody. See you.